The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The following program is recommended for ages 18 and over due to adult content. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Behind the Scenes, a look at some of the sometimes steamy inside of Hollywood with your host, Hollywood executive and former Victoria's Secret model, Summer Helene. Our program features the gossip, the dish, and the stories of what's really going on behind your favorite movies, television shows, and celebrities from the people who are involved in the industry. Now, here is your host, Summer Helene. Hi guys, welcome to Behind the Scenes. I'm your host, Summer Helene. We have a very, very interesting show for you today, um, but I'm going to start off a little and chat with John. G'day, John. How are you doing? Great. How are you doing? I am freaking exhausted, actually. I'm working on a bunch of shows, so I am falling asleep. Oh, okay. So your big plans for Valentine's Day weekend is sleep. Uh, yeah. I, I wish it was something more exciting. I don't have my. I don't have really much going on. I know everyone kind of has their their own thing going. What are you doing for Valentine's Day? I generally go into the Federal Witness Protection Program for this weekend. Uh, normally, I, I'm just sort of, you know, off the radar and everything. You know, I. I it's funny. I read an article, a couple articles today. Florence Henderson, Mrs. Brady, is 81 years old. And she is bragging about having friends with benefits. So Mrs. Brady is going to be getting some this weekend, and she's 81. Um, you know Ivana, what? God, God bless her. Was she married to a gay guy for years? What's that? Oh, no, that was just a, I said she was married to a gay guy for years. Let her get as much as she wants. Well, that was on TV. I don't think they ever. I know. I, I'm just counting it. <laughs> <laughs> she actually she went on a date with her son, if you're going by that. Um, I, the very, very, you know, publicized date between her and Greg, because Greg had the hots for her. But uh, and then Ivana Trump is sixty six, and she's talking about having three different boyfriends. So, love is in the air, or, or something. Um, and then it, you know, <laughs> and then staying with the same line that people are going to get screwed. Um, I just saw the announcement that three new Transformers sequels are coming. So, see, everyone's everyone's getting America. a little love here. What's that? Everyone's getting. I said everyone's getting a little love, but me. My mom's got a boyfriend. He's gorgeous. Everyone I know has got a boyfriend. Then there's me. Well, I, I don't. I don't have any. I don't have anybody that's right now. Like, we'll see. Uh, I'm not you alone. know. You're not alone. If you can hear my voice, you are the resistance. I, I, exactly. Um, so for, for those of you out there on Valentine's Day that have spent your time trying to cultivate a career like I have, I'm very sorry. Well, no, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> I got some horror stories if you want to know why I'm single. Some of them are really good, too. But uh, it is what it is, you know. 
I mean, I, I, yeah, I believe in love. You know, it's great. If I find it again, awesome. If I don't, well, I thought I found it before, and that's enough. So, you know, there are worse things. So I could still be with, like, the L.A. Psycho. I could still be with the Pain Freak of 2009. I mean, you know, there's, you know, there are worse alternatives. You know, I don't mind being single. Um, I think they're going to have a special, the uh, brain-dead vanity whores. You know, the Cardassians that don't know the difference between affection and uh, between uh, attention and love. I and think they're dates. doing. Yeah, I just, you know, I can't imagine. It's, I don't know. That's, I, ugh. Well, Kanye just started a war with Taylor Swift again. I'm shocked. So. You mean he is picking on other little girls for more publicity? Mm, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And Kim went completely blonde. I don't know. I, I, I don't follow these people. This is the curse of American culture is that we know things about people we just really can't stand. I mean, that's generally reserved for politics. But to now have that in our entertainment to where we're following people we just hate because there's just no way to get around it. I can't get away from these people. Well, it's been, it's been going that way for years. The reality of it is years and years ago, I saw I was very proud of a newswoman who absolutely refused. She kept interrupting. They were trying to run a story off uh, Paris Hilton as the lead on a news station. And she just kept arguing, saying, this is not news. And she got in a fair amount of trouble for it. Yeah, that happens. People just refuse. I saw some guy in Florida melt down on the air about the Kardashians. He's just yelling off camera, they're not news. Shut up. We hate these people. And he's, you know, the news guy. (laughs) So that was actually pretty funny. I enjoyed that. But, uh... Well, yeah, I think it's, just, it's great when you have newscasters standing up for news. I do. Well, there's also, a, there's also a, I saw some of the cool show, the O.J. Simpson show, The People versus O.J. Simpson on FX. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, it's like watching that, you're like, oh, was that the birth of, of all this reality TV nonsense that everybody was watching their TV and people that got pulled into the spotlight that shouldn't have been. That's how they got in. You know, there was a breach in the walls. I don't know. It just, it's interesting to watch that because you realize, you know, it's, you know, years and years ago, but that's when people started paying attention to people. That's how the, the, you know, Robert Kardashian was one of the OJ's friends. Yeah. And that's how we first heard that name. And, um, was, uh, he was one of the trial lawyers. No, he was, a, he was a friend of O.J.'s, but he was an attorney. He identified himself as one of O.J.'s attorney, but he wasn't a criminal attorney. And, um, Interesting. Yeah, so he, he was O.J.'s friend, and he, and he kind of he got pulled into it. And I have to say, David Schwimmer is wonderful in that show. I hit, he's just been like a real surprise. I'm really shocked. He's the only, so far in the series, he's the only human being. Everybody is. else is like, media caricatures or celebrity monsters or, you know, fame whores or whatever. But he's right now the only human being, I think, in the series. And he's, he's really, Schwimmer's really good. But, I mean, as far as Kardashian, he was, in real life, he was O.J.'s friend. And he wasn't one of the attorneys. He was called an attorney. But, and actually, I believe, and I think, I, I can't remember exactly where I saw this, but he's the one they think, uh, threw away the gym bag that had the, the bloody clothes and the knife in it. I didn't know they, that. Yeah. They, the, he, he, when they went to the airport, 
he was handed that, and then he didn't have it at LAX. So they think that the evidence of the whatever OJ wore and the the one glove and the suit and the knife ended up in the garbage at LAX. And I wonder how the series right. is going to handle that if they're going to include that. So it's 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 interesting, but I think that kind of maybe was where the seeds of. Uh, this monster celebrity thing is now mutant celebrity because you know these were people pulled into the spotlight because somebody got killed somebody famous killed their ex-wife so um so yeah i just i just you know we're what did, but what, what does it saw, say about our culture that just murdering somebody is going to make you famous or being associated with a murderer well, I mean, you know, that got him in the spotlight, and then I think Kim's sex tape pretty much kept him there. It, it really put, did. They put roots in. They're not going anywhere. And somehow people, I don't know, people are fascinated by this, because most reality shows, I don't see any reality to them. So, well, there there is no reality. The only reality show I've been watching lately, though, is um, Donald Trump. Well, is, that rea- said- is that considered reality or just? Political news. You know, my, my grandmother called me from Australia, and she said it's wonderful that um, Donald Trump is protesting the American political system the way he is. Do you know in India they voted in a house plant? And I looked this up, they did. And she said it's wonderful that he's displeased and he's doing this to gain attention. I said, no, Grandma, he's really running for president. And her response was, oh, dear. <laughs> Well, what does that say about the Australian news services? I, I, that's, well, we, why that's would we, we don't really big... cover we don't really cover American um, politics. We have our own politics, oh. but ironically, um, Australia, Europe, most most countries do know more about the American news and what goes on in America than America does to you know countries and places outside of America. Oh, like, that's uh, true. Yeah. You, you know, we know who the American president is. I know who's in charge of Israel. I know, you know, we're taught who's in charge of these countries. America kind of just knows America. And it's, it's just the way you guys are taught. And it's great. And honestly, America's kind of the superpower. So no one's going to argue. You know, you don't fight with the, with the big guy on the playground. But I, I found it interesting that a lot of people, and it's apparently not her, there are a lot of people that were really surprised he was legitimately running. Oh. Well, I mean, he's. <laughs> Uh, the you know he's an outsider, so uh, and you know that American can do thing. I can get in. Anybody can be president, and we found and that it, out a few times. Exactly, and that's and it's not a bad thing. It just it surprised me because for everyone, it's kind of outside the country. It's the uh, you know he's seen as Donald Trump. He's the guy that does the Miss America pageants. He's the guy that does all these television, and then everyone's really surprised. I pointed out that Ronald Reagan did the same thing. And she said, yes, but Ronald Reagan had better manners. Yeah. 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 Old Dutch never uh, said the F word or <laughs> that, that, that got recorded anyway. <laughs> he didn't say oh. profanity in rallies and stuff. So, um, That's it. But Hollywood has staunchly, staunchly jumped on the side of Bernie Sanders. Uh, Susan yeah. Sarandon just did something for him. Cameron Diaz is doing something for him. Leonardo DiCaprio is doing something for him. What does that so, say about Hillary? 
Um, well, everyone thinks she's not going to, she's, she's got a camp of, um, people herself. Oprah's on team Hillary. We've got, I mean, a lot of, a lot of the big, big guys are on Hillary's side. Yeah. So I, I haven't seen anyone go to Donald Trump yet. So I'm waiting to see if any of Hollywood, cause you know, that's where my concern is, uh, yeah, ever goes I, that way, but they don't usually go Republican. So not usually, I mean, there are some, but I, you know. These days, you can't have an opinion in Hollywood. I mean, you have to have the right one. It, and that's, they, and that's exactly... Like, a, and that is, like the whole country's turned into a PC, you know, politically correct zone of uh, persecution. Like, if you voice anything, if it's not what they think, they're coming after you. You know, I've got to say, I've actually gotten jobs um, at Democratic political rallies. Okay, well, that's the right answer in Hollywood. That's the, that's the right answer. Well, that's that's it. I've gotten jobs at Democratic political rallies. It's just, yeah. it's one of the things that Hollywood insists on, and I have no complaints with it because I'm a Democrat. But I would have issues if I think I think if I was a Republican, this would be a very hard business to be in. I yeah. gotta say. Yeah. Um. So we have actually, we have James Fargo. Jim Fargo is going to be on the show today. Great. So we've got him on after the break. I'm really excited. He worked with Clint Eastwood, who actually is one of the few um, Republican Hollywood people. Uh, we worked, he worked with Steven Spielberg on Jaws. He's done a great number of things, and he's got some new projects coming out this year. So we're going to have him on in just a few minutes, right, right uh, after the break. So I've got to ask you, um, do you know, we've got one minute to a break, John. Okay. So I'm, I'm sorry for taking this in a political direction. I know that was probably oh. the wrong direction to go. Yeah, I, I, would have, I would have sent a text saying, don't do this, but it's too late. <laughs> well, it's, 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 you know, wrong direction to go, but I am going to give some people some advice. Um, love it or hate it, politics is a big part of Hollywood these days. And, I mean, let's just ask ourselves, if, what would we do without the razor-sharp political observations of Hollywood? I mean, who, who doesn't want to hear what, you know... Every actor in the world would Olivia Wilde thinks of the next president. So that's well. I mean, <laughs> did you see Meryl Streep? Did you see Meryl Streep's thing where she they asked her something? She's somewhere, and she said, "Oh, we're all Africans." So it's like, oh, nobody wrote that line for her. I hope. Did you see well, that? Technically, we all started in the cradle of life, which is in Africa. Let's let's hope that's what she meant, because I am a big Meryl Streep fan. Yeah. Guys, we're oh, going I'm, to break. I'm a fan too, but you know they're still capable of you know sounding just a little off when they go off script. And I'm sure all the African Americans are going to be thrilled to find out that Meryl Streep thinks she's one of them. That's usually how it goes across. Comes across anyway. Yeah. It doesn't help. No, you know, it, she probably was no, thinking she was saying doesn't. something right, and then, oops, it's out. That's it, guys. We've got to go to break. We'll be right, right back. We've got to go to break. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips is an insider's glimpse at a life from a psychological perspective. It's a look at what matters to us. Why do we laugh? How do we cope with stress? Are men and women really that different? 
What is it about our relationships? How are they formed? How they work out? And why they sometimes don't? Every week is something new to engage you. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll turn up your perspective on life. Have you checked out Teen Wealth Radio? It's a show for teens, their parents, and educators. Hosted by Brandy England. Along with regular weekly contributors, Teen Wealth Radio will cover the topics that teens need to talk about. Plus, we discuss a book of the week and a movie of the week. And each show will offer a challenge to our teen listeners that they can share on our private Facebook group page. Be sure to tune in to Teen Wealth Radio, live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. You count. Tune into Interrevolutionary Radio and join the spontaneous wave of people all over the planet who, like you, are changing our world from the inside out. Follow the movement. Meet guests who are shaking things up. Call in and gain insights and courage to empower your own voice. Large or small, your part counts. So join us. Co-hosted by Beth Green and James Maynard, Interrevolutionary Radio airs live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Behind the Scenes with host Summer Helene. To connect with the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to bts at summerhelene.com. Now let's go back behind the scenes. Hi guys, welcome back to Behind the Scenes. I am your host, Summer Helene. We sort of degraded into a political conversation and I'm going to say it's John's fault. Anyone listening knows it's completely my fault, but we'll blame John. Because you guys like him. You like him best and he has a lot of leeway. Yeah. We have James Fargo on the show today, guys. James, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to be here. So we, uh, aside from politics, what we usually talk about on the show is the film industry, how to get in it, how to navigate it, what to do, the perils, the pitfalls, the good and the bad, and any raunchy fun stories that you know, you've, you've ever come across. Now, you've worked with Steven Spielberg. You've worked with Clint Eastwood. I mean, you've worked with some pretty big Hollywood hitters. I'm sorry. Say, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, we got interrupted by my stupid cell phone. Oh. <laughs> uh, yes, Clint Eastwood. Do you, you repeat the question one more? You've worked with Clint Eastwood, Steven Spielberg. You've worked with some some big Hollywood hitters and some very, oh, yeah. I mean, some truly classic films. What's it I've like? I've been very to be lucky associated? in that instance. Uh, you know, Clint. Uh, he and I, we did seven pictures together. Uh, it was his first assistant on five of them, and I directed him in two. Uh, Spielberg, uh, I did, let's see, uh, Duel, oh. uh, Sugarland Express, and Jaws with Stephen. And, uh, of course, Jaws was uh, a great experience, let's put it that way. <laughs> What was your title on Jaws? I was production manager. 
production manager because I've I've read books about just the production of that film and it just sounded uh, it, it just sounded like a nightmare. <coughs> um, yeah, to put it mildly, it was. Yeah, didn't it double the the days scheduled and then triple the budget and? Excuse <coughs> me. Uh, the budget, the first budget that I turned in as production manager to Universal <coughs> was <coughs> a little over ten and a half million. Okay. And uh, the studio decided they didn't want to make it for. They wanted to keep it under four million. <laughs> okay. So I, you know. Uh, gasped a little bit and said, "How are you going <laughs> to?" Excuse me, get a something in the air. Um, they um, decided that they they didn't they they were thinking that it was going to be a little horror movie. Really, I well, I didn't know. Yeah, that was the whole idea. It was just supposed to be a little horror movie, and Stephen told me on the QT, he wanted to make the greatest horror movie that had ever been made. And he did. <laughs> oh my God, he did. I still, I couldn't put my feet off the couch after watching that movie, The Couch. I didn't want to go swimming in Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, didn't, I, I was. It scared me out of the Ohio River, which by the way, <laughs> has never seen a shark. Cat what is it, like, hasn't. <laughs> what is so, it yeah. like to be associated with one of the greatest films of all time? Uh, it was, uh, actually, it was fun. It was fine. I mean, uh, I, you know, I enjoyed the work. I didn't, you have to understand that in the film business, there are assistant directors and production managers and directors and producers. Of all of the jobs in that area, I hate the most, it's being a production manager. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I, can, I can second that. I've done it more times than I'd like to ta discuss, and I've, I've never come out of one where I didn't want to cut myself or end up a little bit suicidal. <laughs> it's just that, you know, you have to deal with all the business and you don't have any of the fun. The fun stuff is all, all on the set. It's Although the, I will admit that the, uh, they had their problems on the set, too. I mean, uh, a girl problems. broke her ribs, and they had some... Yes, those well, are very sank. classic story words, yep. <laughs> the boat yeah, well, they, sank. The one that, that was their own fault. To sink. The ribs, yeah. the girl, but they broke the girl's ribs. I mean, things like that do happen. I've got to know, this yeah. is just for me personally... Did your production insurance like go through the roof after that? Like by the end of that, you know that the the insurance company must have been absolutely bonkers. Bonkers, yeah. <laughs> um, because every time you turned around, something was going wrong. Uh, and of course, most of it was the shark. Yeah. Uh, just to blow my own horn a little bit, one of the things I pushed for that the studio said, no, we can't do that, is I wanted them to take the shark down to uh, Paradise Cove in Malibu, throw the thing in the water, and see if it worked. 
it's a lot cheaper to get to Paradise Cove than it is to go all the way back to Martha's Vineyard. Yeah. Then if they're there and there's something wrong, you fix it here in the studio. You got all the stuff to work with. Boom. No, no, we haven't got time to do that. We got to go back. We got to get working. There's going to be a, an actor's strike and all of that. <clears throat> the actor's strike never happened. <laughs> and the shark also never happened. Well, my the understanding is we shark... used it. The first day we used it, everything seized up on it. Yeah, my understanding is it was built and tested before they shipped it in fresh water in California, and then they put it in the Atlantic Ocean, and the salt water almost immediately peeled all the paint off the shark, and it and that was just the beginning, and it well, just didn't work. Well, it didn't. There was no paint on the shark. What it but, did was it it corroded all of the joints. Oh. All the all the moving parts became totally corroded in the salt water because they didn't put any zincs on it. Oh. The zincs are uh, used to it's a whole electrical chemical thing, but they they prevent that corrosion. And oh. not only did they not test it in salt water in, on the west coast. But the East Coast, the Atlantic, is saltier than the Pacific. Hmm. I had so I didn't know that, that salt hit that frame and boom. Anyway, that's history. It ultimately made for a great film because I, I saw a lot of the storyboards from it, and that shark is in almost all of them. And the fact that it didn't work and they had to work around it actually makes it scarier. It, does. it really, really is because it's it's the the fear of the unseen. But I mean that the the backlash from the film, and I'm going to go a little uh, a little different here. One of the things the complaints about that film is it said it made everyone afraid of great white sharks. Well, I'm from Australia. Trust me, be afraid of great white sharks. Yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's a good thing to be afraid of. It, it it really is. I mean, great white sharks and bull sharks are two things you don't want to tangle with. Even if a great white shark takes an exploratory bite, your life's over. Um, so, yeah. you know, they, they were complaining about it making people afraid of sharks. Well, sharks are pretty scary things. I'm, I'm going to say, you've, I mean, you've been associated with this incredible, incredible film. What, what was the greatest moment for you? We have four minutes till our break. Um, I'm going to ask you what your greatest moment was. In on, all movies? On Jaws. On Jaws. Specifically, on Jaws. we're going to get to all movies after the break. Yep. My greatest moment on Jaws was probably when I met with the Boston Teamsters and negotiated a flat rate for all the Boston drivers. And when they tried to push themselves, I said, that's okay. I'll just move this whole thing up to uh, a place in California where we can shoot this. Fort Bragg. And he said, you oh, can't like do that. that. And I said, hand me the phone. <laughs> and he went back up and said, okay, okay, we'll do it your way. <laughs> I, like uh, that. I don't know. Uh, the, the greatest moments in the movie itself, I think, are when that head rolls into the hole in the boat underwater <laughs> and Dreyfus screams into his face mask. Yeah. That is one of the scariest things that I've ever seen. Yeah. That one yeah, didn't get me, it, though, Did you get a fear of sharks played... working on the movie? Say again? 
did did working on the movie give you a slight fear of sharks? I mean, did it make it any more pronounced? Not really. Uh, <laughs> funnily enough, when I when I I learned how to scuba dive on the movie. Really. Basically, I came back home and I took scuba diving lessons. And the first thing I did was go out and <clears throat> jump in the Pacific Ocean and uh, off Catalina and look for sharks. Did you find any? You, yeah. You, you are a brave uh, man. Off the backside of Catalina, I was diving down on a big rock shelf and inside, inside a kelp forest. And I saw these two, they weren't that big. They were probably, what, eight, eight foot Pacific blues swim by and just kind of cruised around. And I found a nice flat piece of rock and became part of it. I, I, I would have, and the only thing you would have seen of, of me would be the little streak behind me where I piddled my pants. I go near a shark, I'm running. My first memory of a shark was my dad yanking me out of the water. I was about five by the back of my life vest. So, I mean, in Australia, it's a pretty serious problem. <laughs> that's very bad in Australia. They're, that's where people usually get eaten all the time by great whites. In defense, it? most of the people that get eaten are American tourists. Oh, well. No joke. <laughs> Most of the shark attack victims are American tourists. Oh, because in Australia, they don't, know, they don't know what to look for. <laughs> I, I they know not to go out there. <laughs> no, it's, um, it's, uh, I think it's just a different, different way of looking at things. But then when I went surfing with my uncle here in California, a fin popped out of the water. I, had, I absolutely panicked, fell off my surfboard, came up under my surfboard and started bleeding in the water because I cracked my head on it. And my dad's first response was to look at me and say, please tell everyone you were just showing the Americans what not to do. <laughs> and by the way, it was a dolphin that popped up in the water. I was going to say, I'll bet it was a dolphin because I see those it, all the time. It was a dolphin. So, but, but I'm telling you, that movie impacted everyone. Um, I'm going to ask you some questions about The Girl That Broke Her Ribs, what it was like to work with Clint Eastwood, and the advice you would give to people trying to get into this industry when we come back after the break. First, I'm going to give a shout-out. Scott Haskin, who did the intro music for the show, um, has a mental sauna relaxation app. It really, really works. If you guys want to get some sleep, it's Mental Sauna Relaxation by Scott Haskin. It's, on the, it's at the App Store. Check it out. I want to give a quick shout-out to Facial Magic by Cynthia Rowland. I tried your stuff. It worked wonderfully. Panda Express, Auntie Amy's Pretzels, Domino's Pizza, Nothing Bunt Cakes, Pure PR. Um, thank you guys all so much for helping out on the last TV show. I'm giving you a quick shout-out on this show. And, of course, Offroad Reynolds in Palm Springs, California. Jump on our Facebook page. Answer a question. We'll give it a, a trivia question. For Mr. Fargo here, we're going to let him choose the question. And you guys can win some rides at off-road rentals and Griggs Vacuums because you're Alexis's grandfather. She's my assistant and she puts you on the list of people I have to say thank you to every single week. We'll be right back after the break, guys. I'm Summer Helene. And, of course, you can check out my fabulous hair done by David Andrews Salon if you jump on Facebook. We'll see you after the break. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Have you found the beauty inside of you? 
Join Bonnie Bonadeo each week for Beauty Inside and Out. We'll explain how beauty plays a part in everybody's lives. Our guests are makeup artists, hairdressers, and doctors. But we'll also feature holistic and wellness specialists and spiritual advisors. You can find that beauty inside and express it to its fullest on the outside. Tune in to Beauty Inside and Out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Do the adventures of Indiana Jones leave you curious about this exotic and unusual profession? If so, don't miss Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. You'll learn about forensics, ancient civilizations, and human origins. Listen to Dr. Schuldenrein and colleagues discuss their excavations and related archaeological topics, ranging from the unique to the sublime, and yes, even the mundane. Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology, live Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Variety. Do you want to expand the legacy that you leave behind? Get the inspiration you need by hearing from others who are doing just that. Listen for Your Why with host Nelina Varinas. The show features amazing guests who have saved lives, helped others, and brought forth hope to others around them. By hearing their stories, you can make some stories of your own. Your Why can be heard every Friday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Behind the Scenes with host Summer Helene. To connect with the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to bts at summerhelene.com. Now let's go back behind the scenes. Hi, guys. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Summer Helene. I had a whole bunch of technical problems and couldn't hear half of what went on, so I'm sorry if I was talking over my guests and my co-host. Um, But my earphones are fixed now, and I have learned not to use my assistant's computer. I don't know what she did with it in her spare time. We are on with James Fargo. We are talking about, we were talking about Jaws. We're going to talk a little bit about Clint Eastwood. And during the break, um, John and James were talking, and and it was really, really interesting. Can you guys tell us what you guys were chatting about? Well, I I asked James because, um, you know, I'm friends with uh, Mary... Louise Weller on on Facebook because I'm a huge Animal House fan. She played Mandy Pepperidge, who ends up marrying okay, John Belushi hang, hang at the on, end. Hang on, freeze! Everyone in the world is a huge Animal House fan. I mean, let's face it. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, I have a PhD in Animal House, so I'm you know, we chat frequently, quite a bit. And Mary Louise was in Forced Vengeance, which is a Chuck Norris film that James directed. So I, you know, I asked him about uh, working with them, and uh, he said he goes, "I have a story about them." So, and we're please. curious. We didn't get to hear the story, so we'll be hearing it for the first time with you. Well, the story is basically in the script. There's a love scene between Chuck Norris and Mary Louise Weller, and <clears throat> the whole idea is that Chuck's character lives aboard a Chinese junk 
which is a very large Chinese boat. Uh-huh. So we picked the cabin, which had a big bed in it, and the interior of this cabin was made of solid mahogany. It was absolutely gorgeous inside. So the cameraman and I picked the shot, and to light it, there, was, there were windows on one side that were slatted. So he lit the whole thing through those slatted windows, so it was just shafts of light coming through. And the whole idea was it was a nude scene. Both of them were supposed to be naked. So, talk to Chuck and Larry, fine, no problem, we'll do it. <laughs> it was hotter than hell. I mean, it was just, I don't know, over 100, and especially inside that cabin. And we're all wearing just a pair of shorts and T-shirts and that sort of thing. So, before they came in, I turned to the cameraman and the first assistant and the operator, and I said, let's join the crew. Let's take off our clothes. So the entire crew was stark naked when Mary Louise came through the door into the into the room. <laughs> and she looked around and said, Oh my God, you know <laughs> we were standing there. Everybody did it make her feel more comfortable. <laughs> she did. She started laughing. <clears throat> Chuck came in. That, yeah, that'll thing. do it. Yeah, he burst out laughing. Anyway, we shot this very almost innocuous love scene, just very tight shots moving up and down the bodies. You don't see anything. There's no sex or fornication or anything like that. that you, you just don't see it, but it, it, it's very pretty. It's, it's a really gorgeous, artsy scene. The studio wouldn't let us use it. Really? Why? You said, no, can't use that. I said, well, why? And believe me, I fought. And he said, well, nobody wants to see Chuck Norris making love to a woman. And I said, oh. Okay, what if we have so Chuck we, Norris make love to a man? Well, I get it. What, yeah, it's like, well, what if she's really hot? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't like them speaking up for me like this. Uh, and then after that scene, there's a scene where Chuck asks Mary Louise to marry him. And it's big love. And it, it, it's the whole key to the movie because... She gets raped and murdered. Oh. And Chuck obviously goes after him, after the yeah. guy that did it. Well, no, can't use that either. Can't use that, can't use that. And I went, holy crap. I mean, you take the whole guts out of the movie. What, Chuck North can't be in love? Did no. Did tell you that? Apparently not. <laughs> apparently not. And the other thing, too, as I think what's, Chuck What's, what's wrong with Chuck North being in love? I think Chuck kind of pushed to have that taken out because at the time he was married and his wife at the time was a little bit jealous. Oh. <laughs> See, was, he's in the wrong business for that. Jealous yep. Yeah. Well, that's a anyway, shame. That, that sounds like that would have been awesome. Chuck Norris, Mary Louise Weller story. Wow. I was really ticked off because, as I say, that was the key to the whole, the whole motivation behind whatever happened after that. Yeah, exactly. That's weird that the studio... What did Chuck think yeah. of that? Uh, not much. <laughs> but, mm. As I say, I think he was kind of relieved that the nude scene was out. Uh, huh. I, and 
he questioned why the other scene was out, and I said, because they felt that you shouldn't be asking some woman to marry you. And, uh, that's, well, I mean, you know, that happens all the time in movies. Yeah, it does. It really does. <laughs> the, I wasn't powerful enough to stop fired, that, though. So. <clears throat> I mean, you got to be Michael Bay to buck that sort of thing. Yeah. Even my, even Michael Bay has some trouble. With, uh, there have been I'm sure he does. <laughs> He's got a lot of trouble. He's very, very unpopular a lot of the time. I, it anyway, would be nice. Eastwood. Loved... Mm-hmm. Uh, go ahead. You know, I, I did seven pictures with Clint. I did five as his assistant director, and I directed him in two. I directed him in Dirty Harry number three with Tom Daly, who, by the way, is one of the nicest, sweetest, greatest little actresses you ever want to meet. She was cool. just super. Uh, Clint himself is, is great to work with. I mean, he lets the director do what he does. He just, just says, okay, go, do your thing. Cool. And I think that's a special mark for artistic, when you have an artistic producer or you have artistic people, they're interested in what the director has to say, where I've got to be honest, on my end, I'm usually more worried about the bottom line, I'm less worried about the creative, more worried about the dollar. And I know a lot of other producers and executives are exactly the same way. But when dealing with someone like Clint Eastwood, I think he'd have a better understanding of the project and the, art, and the artistic vision of the director. Who is who is your favorite person that you've ever worked with? Well, it's not just one. I loved working with Clint. I really did. It was it was, it was a great experience. I learned a lot from him, and uh, had some great times. And when we shot the Iger Sanction, that was that was probably one of my favorite locations. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. I mean, you were asking about a trivia question. Tell me what town is nearest to the Eiger Mountain, and where is it? Okay, (laughs) guys, go to Facebook, jump on Behind the Scenes, jump on Summer Helene, get on anywhere. And we want to know, the question is, what town is closest to which mountain? The The Eiger Mountain. The Eiger Mountain. Type it in, send it to me in a message, don't post on the wall. Uh, Actually, no, you can post on the wall, but if if you send any... Anything funky or send me another script. I'm serious, guys. I love you to death. I appreciate you listening in. But sending scripts on Facebook is not how you get me to read them. Promise. I haven't figured out how to get you to read them, Summer. <laughs> yeah, I have read yours. And I know you. I like yours. <laughs> but I did. I, I, I did. Um, so, but guys, so tell us, what town is closest to the Iga Mountains? And what My country is it in? And what country is it in? Alexis is going to post the question on Facebook right now. Send her the answers. Guys, you're getting my assistant, so don't send messages for me, please. Um, answer that, and you get two tickets to ride at Off-Road Reynolds in Palm Springs, California, which, by the way, if you're coming in anytime soon, Air Force One just flew in here, so the president's here today. So don't plan on getting anywhere anywhere quick. Yep. Uh, James, I, I had a question. One of my questions was, how did you get to be a, a director for Clint Eastwood? Because The Enforcer was the third Dirty Harry movie, but you kind of answered it because my, my thought was that Clint always seems to use the same people. He, he has a team around him, and he has the go-to people, whether it's behind the camera or in front of the camera. So my question was going to be, how did you get in? But you were already in. If you worked uh, as a well, AD. I was, in, I was in as far as production was concerned, and I was also... 
when we did Outlaw Josie Wales, I was the associate producer as well as the first assistant. Yeah. Uh, but the reason he made me a director, and this is the story that I was told. Uh-huh. We were doing the Iger Sanction. We were in Switzerland. We were in a hotel room in Zurich shooting a scene. When Clint was in a scene, I would stand beside the camera and watch. And at the end of the scene, he would say, all right, cut. In this particular instance, he said, all right, cut, print, let's go, move on. And I said, Clint, uh, come here. Would you do it again? And he went, what? I said, do it again. It wasn't very good. And he goes, what? (laughs) He goes over to the sound man and he says, play that back for me. So the sound man played it back. And turns to the crew and said, all right, one more. What the story is that because I told him to do it again, told him two things. Number one, I had the guts to tell him to do it again. And number two, I was watching and paying attention. And that makes a very, very big difference. People love to see people who are involved in what's going on, and especially somebody that has an eye for that. That probably really stood out to him. Yeah, it did. And when we were doing, uh, when we did Outlaw Josie Wales, Phil Kaufman was the original director on it. Oh, wow. And Phil, who wrote the script. Really? Phil's a good director. I mean, there's nothing taken away from him. Oh, but, yeah. Invasion of the Body Snatchers, Unbearable Lightness yeah. of Being, Henry and Jim. Yeah. No, Phil's a great director. Yeah. But he didn't work the way Clint does. And because the way Clint works is he hits the set, camera goes here, actors come from there to there. He rehearses the actors a couple of times, says, turns around to the camera and says, all right, light, let's go. They lit it up, shoots. He doesn't do a lot of takes, uh, which drove a couple of actors right up the wall. <laughs> um, that, that drives but, a lot of actors up the walls. <laughs> Yeah, but he's famous for uh, that. Yeah, yeah. He he he. You know, he'll do he'll do three, four takes to try and get two prints, and then walk away. Uh, and and it's true, if you can't get it in the first four or five takes, everything goes downhill from there. Yeah, everyone gets And it takes high. another 12 to 14 takes to get the performances back up to where they should be. Guys, we have to get disastrous. to break. I'm, I'm going to cut you there. I, I'm really enjoying this, and we're going to get right back to this after the break. But we have got to get to the break. We have a t- about 10 minutes left after this break. We are on with James Fucker. We are on with John Kessner, who you all like better than you like me. I'm Summer Helene, the Wicked Bitch of the West, and we'll be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. 
This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in every week for Sex Out Loud. Host Tristan Termino will discuss everything from sexual pleasure to sexual politics. Get an insider's perspective from leaders in the adult film industry, the LGBT community, and the sex-positive world. From kink to non-monogamy, nothing is off limits. Plus, you can call in to join the conversation. Sex Out Loud airs every Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Behind the Scenes with host Summer Helene. To connect with the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to bts at summerhelene.com. Now let's go back behind the scenes. Hi, guys. Welcome back behind the scenes. I'm your host, Summer Helene. I know we didn't have any call-ins today. We didn't even put it up. I've got people writing in on Facebook. Alexis is writing you an apology. There is no way we're going to get to the questions. I promise I will beg Mr. Fargo to come back on the show. We've got some really great stories. I'm going to ask a couple of questions. John's going to ask a couple of questions because we've got about five minutes left. Um, I'm going to ask you, what advice would you give to somebody trying to get in the industry today? Well, it depends on what they want to do. If you want to be an actor, it's hard. It's, it's, it's extremely difficult because for every part, there's probably a thousand actors out there going after the same thing. Uh, it's just, it's very difficult. The thing to do is if you're going to be an actor, study, take classes, get in with a good acting coach, somebody who can recommend you to other to agents and that sort of thing. If you want to get into production, the only way to do it is to attend the assistant director's training program. Try and get into that. Again, it's not easy because they're very selective. Uh, you want to be a director? Direct. Make a movie. Steven Spielberg, the way he became a director is when he was in college, he made a movie on 16 millimeter called Thumb Tripping which later became Amblin, which he named his company after. But he took that to Jennings Lang at Universal Studios because his father knew Jennings, gave him the film. Jennings ran the film, immediately went to Sid Scheinberg and said, we've got to make this kid a director. And they did. If you want to get on the crew, you've got to get a job. Um, and getting a job is difficult because... If it's any kind of a studio picture or any kind of higher budget picture, it's going to be union. But you can work non-union pictures uh, as crew, learn the craft, learn all about what it takes to make a movie. And it's just a matter of learning. Watch, keep your mouth shut, and do the job. 
one thing I always tell people, and I'm going to reiterate it here, relationships are very, very important. So he's, but you're spot on. If you learn, you build those relationships, you work at it, you can be very, very good. And I think you've put it best. Keep your mouth shut. You're never going to get anywhere arguing with your director or producer. John, I know you had a couple of questions. Yeah, I just, uh, because I, you know, I grew up watching a lot of these films. And so, and, uh, you know, uh, James has directed The Enforcer, and then he went on to direct Every Which Way But Loose, which was... Clint Eastwood's biggest money-making movie up to that point, and, and, uh, yeah. which is such a departure for him. He was discouraged not to do it, but uh, he did it, and, it's a, and it was a big movie. And uh, I had heard that it had been pitched to Clint while he was standing in an airport. Somebody said, hey, I got a story for you about a fighter whose best friend is a monkey, an orangutan. And that's how it started. Uh, James, did you know anything about that part? As far as that, I, to be honest, I don't know. I mean... I met, you know, obviously I knew the knew the writer. He and I became pretty good friends, uh-huh. although he got a little ticked off at me when I ripped ten pages out of the script. <laughs> but uh, out of that one, every which way but loose. <laughs> that that yeah. <laughs> and then you also uh, were part of High Plains Drifter, but you, we didn't go into any of that. Um, well, I, High Plains Drifter, I was the first assistant director on it. Okay. But the way at that point, the way Clint worked was he would come to Bruce Surtees and myself. Bruce was a cameraman. And he'd say, okay, I'm going to come out of that barn over there, and I'm going to come down the street here, and then I'm going to go into the hotel. I'd like to do it as a crane shot. Set it up and call me when you're ready. So Bruce and I would rehearse the camera, and I'd rehearse the actors. Bruce would light the set, get it all ready, go get Clint. We'd shoot. (laughs) So. And it worked like a charm. And, then uh, also, and it, it, it also helped me because it got me doing what a director does rather than just standing behind a camera and going, roll camera. That's, you know, yeah, um, yeah. I was actually in the thick of it. Wow. And I also, if I, I seem like I'm speeding because I know we're getting close to the end of the show, but you also shot a movie called Caravans, which was a James Michener story, from what I understand, in 78, and you shot that in Iran. Yep. And now, was, was there under, anything? It was under the Shah, not the Ayatollah. Yeah. But, and that, um, worked, that worked out well? I mean, there was, you know. It was tough. It really was. Uh, Anthony Quinn and Christopher Lee. Yeah, Anthony Lee. Quinn, Jennifer O'Neill, and Michael Saracen. Yeah. <coughs> well, we just Christopher yeah, well, Lee was in that too. Do you have any memories yeah. of him? Oh, he oh he he was great. Just a great played, person to have. An old Arab. He had he he was the one who said you know uh, we how was it? how did he say that uh, we give our women less rights than a dog, yet we. <laughs> Dedicate all of our poetry to them. Wow! <laughs> and it, it, it that came that, right out of the book, Mitchner's book. One thing you have to understand: James Mitchner's books read like a travelogue. They do not read like a movie. They're very and thick. It, yeah. Yeah, they're very they're very thick. Oh, yeah. They're very heavy. They're very hard to translate into motion pictures. Um. But 
you know, we had a lot of script problems. Sorry, we had. Sorry, sorry. Go ahead. What's that? What's that, Summer? Oh, I was saying we've got about two minutes left, so um, we're going to. Oh. We've got about two minutes left, so we're going to um, speed through this. You ha- said you had a lot of script problems. We were speeding through it. <laughs> yeah, uh, there there were a lot of story problems. I know, problems. but I, I I'm being told. <laughs> And we didn't even get to the TV stuff. So. Well, I'm going to have to have you on the show again. I know, I know. So we're going to have to have you on again. We have one minute left. If you could give one, one word of advice uh, to everybody out there. What do you want to talk about? Uh, caravans. I want to, if you... You know, caravans, when it opened, broke, broke records at Radio City, Radio City Music Hall in New York City on Thanksgiving Day. It broke records. Oh, nice. Universal Studio was sued by the Ayatollah and the government of Iran for all monies associated with the film because they said it was an Iranian film and Iranian money was used. And it was. Oh, no. But it was so not an so Iranian film. You're the reason all this has been going on for the last how many years? I'm sorry about that, <laughs> well, but I guess I am. They've been blaming oh, the Shaw falling, know, but Hollywood money, that's how come it all happened. Yes. <laughs> the jihad started in 78. Yeah, it not started in Hollywood. All right, guys. We, we have on? reached the end of the show. Oh. Well, have me back. we got 10 seconds. All right. Well, thank so you, thank I you James. To thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for checking out the show. Behind the scenes can be heard live on the Voice America Variety Channel every Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific. Be sure to join Summer Helene for more Scoop next week.